If you would take your scriptures and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, we'll be reading 1 through 18, which is the entire chapter. Galatians 6. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself unless you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of, all, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, we come before you to hear from your word, to grow in our understanding of this glorious plan of redemption you have given us through your only begotten Son. We need you, Father. You have given us your word through the Psalms, prophets, proverbs, and apostles. So it is made more certain in our hearts. You have told us we will do well to pay attention to it as to light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Guide us in our study. And fill our hearts with the love of your all your word teaches. We ask these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We turn this morning to look at the concept of sowing and reaping. This is a very, very important topic for those who believe and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It does not show you how to be saved, but how to show your salvation. 
Showing your salvation is a very important thing in this world. It is the way you express your love for the one who saved your soul. It is the way you show your imitation of Christ, which is what we're called to do, be imitators of our Lord, to make your life a reflection of all Christ was in this world. In this passage from Galatians that we just read, we have a very good summary of this topic. Paul writes in verse 8, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Here is the ultimate goal of all true believers, to have eternal life in the presence of God. In this verse, we have a a contrast. That contrast is between the words destruction and eternal. However, what I want to note first is not the contrast, but the similarity of these two words. Both of these words in the Greek, destruction and eternal, have a common aspect. In the Greek, both of these words carry the idea of a continuation. The Greek word for destruction means a destruction that never ends. You could say an ongoing destruction. The Greek word for eternal means forever. And if you put life with eternal, that means it is life that never ends. The contrast between these two words is obvious. It is seen in how this continuing existence is fulfilled. Under one those who have sown in the flesh will be caught in eternal shame and contempt. Mark 9, 48 explains their worm or their spirit does not die for the fire is not quenched. All four of the Gospels tell us that the dwelling place of the unsaved will be outside of the banquet hall. You remember that parable? They're going to be outside in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Another way to say this is that they will be in hell. On the other hand, those who have sown to the Spirit will shine. They will shine as the brightness of the firmament and as the stars forever and ever. They will bear the image of the heavenly and their bodies will be transformed to be like the glorious body of Jesus Christ. They will be like Christ for they will see him as he is. There are to be rewards for what we sow on this earth. Will you receive the rewards of the flesh or will you receive the rewards of the spirit? You cannot escape from your earthly works. The life is full of sowing and reaping. Every day you sow and then wait to reap the fruits of your labor. This morning, we want to look at the book of Proverbs and see what it can teach us about our sowing and reaping. We first look at the fact we all reap what we sow, whether good or bad. Second, we shall see that the sinner reaps his own wrongdoing. God has established a principle by which men must live. That principle is sowing and reaping. We see it in farming. You go out and sow corn, and what do you do? Later, you reap corn. 
You can't go out and sow wheat and expect to, to reap watermelons. It doesn't work that way, does it? Whatever is sown is what we're going to be reaping. The, this principle is very much a part of our lives. What you sow in this lifetime is what you will reap in this lifetime. If you sow anger and discord, then you will reap anger and discord. If you sow peace and goodwill, you will reap peace and goodwill. The book of Proverbs speaks to this principle of sowing and reaping. It gives us a five-part message on the concept that so radically directs our lives. The first point is we will be repaid for all our works. There's no work done that will not be judged by the omniscient God. Men are excuse makers. We love to make our excuses. You know, you can justify anything you do and make it seem right in your own eyes. Look at what happens in many of our courtrooms these days. People get are getting away with crimes because they claim, society made me do it. People are being let out of prison because the judge feels for them and believes they have never hurt anybody else. The terrorist acts today that claim so many lives is because the terrorists think someone hurt them and they justify killing innocent people to satisfy their hurt. But I'm here to tell you the truth. God will not allow the shifting of blame in his court. You cannot come before God and blame others for your works, and you cannot plead ignorance. Listen to Proverbs 24, 12. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? This clearly tells you that saying we know nothing about this will not be a defense before God. He will not accept your excuses for he weighs your heart. He knows your thoughts and perceives your true motives. It is God who guards your life. In other words, he's the one who has numbered your days. He's the one that has set life's course for you. He knows you. He knows your spiritual condition. He'll repay you for every single work you have done. He will do that according to the true motives of your heart, not your self-designed excuses. But take heart. Take heart, for there is a wonderful promise in this, as well as a, a terrible threat. Proverbs 12, 14. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruits of his mouth. You are all aware that a man that works hard, that does a good job, he does what, and what he does is rewarded for that work. Well, those who, are closely guard, who closely guard their mouths and work at speaking only good things about others will also be rewarded. For every act of kindness, there will be a reward. Christ said, a cup of cool water given in his name shall not be forgotten. And neither shall a kind word and a loving touch of the hand. Proverbs eleven eighteen. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. He reaps a sure reward because it is a reward 
They can never perish, nor can never be destroyed. The rewards of the wicked are perishable and will never last. The rewards of the righteous are forever. What is, forever, what is important for you to take away from this is that for every work in your life, you receive either a sure reward or a false reward. You're going to receive exactly what you have given. Proverbs 13, 21. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. In the creation account, God says he made each type of animal. And then he commanded that they go forth and be fruitful and multiply and bring forth each after its own kind. There has been a great attempt by sinful men to say, this is not so. Proverbs eleven twenty seven: He who seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Good men seek God. They seek his truth. Evil men seek to lie and destroy God's truth. They want to declare that man evolved from a monkey and that the monkey evolved from a lizard and that a lizard evolved from a fish which evolved from some microscopic bottom-dwelling slime-sucking organism. Well, this is not at all men have tried to pervert this. They have tried to turn it around. They've tried to say, no, this doesn't happen. He also tries to say that man evolves on a spiritual level as well. God tells us that. Uh, but the Eastern mystic cults, they believe in reincarnation. And I don't know if you know anything about reincarnation or not, but when you die, you come back as something else. That's the basic idea. Reincarnation is nothing more than the evolution model applied to, to man's spiritual life. If you live this life as a wife beater, then you're going to die and you're going to come back as a wife that is beaten. This follows very closely this biblical principle of sowing and reaping we're studying this morning. But understand there is a very big difference. In the Bible, we're told that the rewards are in this lifetime as well as in the next. In Christianity, we're looking forward to a life without sin and to a world free of all abuses. In reincarnation, the world will never be able to end. Why? Because there will never be an end to punishment. You beat your wife, then you return as a wife beater or a beaten wife. Then the one who has beaten you will have to return to be beaten. It's a never-ending process. Thank God for his wonderful grace. He sent Jesus Christ to do for you what you could never do for yourself, to die and shed his blood that punishment for his people could be once and for all declared finished. God never allows the shifting of blame for actions. That's very important that we understand that. However, by his grace, he allows the shifting of punishment from the sinner to Jesus Christ. For all who will hear his gospel message and believe on his only begotten son. Isn't that a wonderful idea? Taking my sin and giving it to Christ. What we learn next is that we will be repaid in full. Proverbs 14, 14. 
The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The key word here is will be filled. Each man will be fully repaid for his works, be they good or bad. What does the scripture tell us about the condition of all men? Proverbs 22, 8. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Genesis 6, 5 says the imaginations of our heart are evil continually. Jeremiah 17, 9 says our hearts are deceitful and beyond cure. Romans 3, 23 tells us that every man has fallen short of the glory of God. Then all men must be fully repaid for this faithless condition. The repayment must be to spend an eternity apart from God. Why do you think, he says, a good man will be satisfied from above then if there are no good men? Well, understand, there is one good man, Jesus Christ. He came and lived the perfect life, the only good life. He has fulfilled the necessary acts of God to please him. He then made a vicarious sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that is transferable. So that all who hear and believe in him can be given his good works. Christ accepted the sins of his people on Calvary's cross. He paid the full price required by God for each one. He then was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and placed before his father his good works, giving them as a gift to his people. You and I have no good works of our own. Whatever we do that is seen by God as good comes to us by the grace of Jesus Christ and thus the rewards are his, not ours. However, since the punishment for our sins was taken by him, then the rewards that are his can be shared with us. We are saved by grace through faith and that not from ourselves, but the gift of God. There are two ideas put forth in this principle of sowing and reaping. The first is that we will be repaid in this lifetime for our works. Proverbs eleven thirty one. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? Now, what this says is that the righteous must not expect immunity from their evil conduct here in the flesh, but they will receive strict recompense. You as a saint, that means someone who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ, are under the discipline of God, even though the curse has been removed. In other words, you cannot avoid the consequences of your actions even through the grace of Jesus Christ. If you sin after having believed on Jesus Christ, you will still suffer the consequences of that sin in this life. Oh yes, if you are a true believer, your sin is forgiven and you will be welcomed into heaven. But here on this earth, you will suffer because of that sin. Now, I remember back when George Bush was the, pre the, the governor of Texas, there was a case that came up. A woman had brutally murdered a man and done it just out of anger, and she had been sentenced to death. 
Well, while she was on death row, some preacher went in and led her to the Lord. That's wonderful. That's great. But then they began immediately telling George Bush, you got to pardon her. She's been forgiven. Well, I disagree with his, their premise. Yes, she's been forgiven. And if she truly believed in Christ, she'll go to heaven. But she has to pay the price for the sin that she committed here. He didn't pardon her. And she went to execution. Now, I believe truly she's in heaven if she truly believed and trusted in Christ and in Christ alone for her sin, for her mm-hmm. salvation. Now, the second idea inherent in this is that we will be repaid in eternity. Proverbs 10, verses 24 and 25. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. Here we're told, the fear of the wicked will come upon him. What is it that he dreads? The wicked dread the idea of judgment. They can't bear to think about being held accountable. That's why they are always trying to find ways to shift the blame. That's why they don't want to recognize God. They don't want to recognize his truth. They can't abide the truth. It scares them to no end. These are the very things they cannot avoid. Judgment is coming. They will be held accountable. And the truth will judge their every action. What will be the outcome? Why We are told when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more. They will receive the very thing they most dreaded. That whirlwind was judgment. It will do to them exactly what they knew it would do. It will destroy them and send them into the lake of fire for a godless eternity. What about the righteous? Those to whom Christ has so mercifully given his life. The desire of the righteous will be granted. What is it they will desire? They want to be with Christ. They want to be with him in heaven. To be able to lift their voices to pray and praise to him, the one who has saved them. To be in him and to be with him. When the storm passes by, when judgment is finished, they shall still be standing firm in Christ's righteousness. For they have been built up on the rock of Jesus Christ, not upon the sands of self. Let me ask you a very, very important question here. What are you sowing in your life? If you put that in your heart, are you sowing the seeds of selfism? Do you dread to think about anyone knowing your deepest and darkest secrets? Do you hear the truth and burn with anger? Do you want to silence all who proclaim God's truth? If those are the seeds of your life, then beware. For the reaping will come and it will come soon. You will find yourself standing before a holy God. You will have nothing to say and no one to stand with you. You will be facing everything you have dreaded. It will indeed be a terrible time. Eternity will stretch before you as nothing but a dark and foreboding hole of pain and torment. This should make you think about your life. This should make you, cause you to, to look to Christ 
and to the salvation he brings. The sinner will reap his own wrongdoing. He will do this in three ways. First, his sin will entrap and entangle him. Second, his sins will subvert and afflict him. Third, his sins will destroy him. Sin will trap and entangle. That's what it does. Proverbs 5.22, his own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. Man is a wicked creature. He has no hope of deliverance apart from the grace of God. Sin is like that spider's web. The spider's web is sticky. So when a bug wanders in and becomes caught in the web, it sticks to him. And the more he struggles to free himself, the more entangled he becomes. Proverbs 12, 13. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. The wicked man is caught. He's caught up in himself. He tries for all he is worth to justify all of his own actions. The more he tries, the more entangled he becomes in the web of sin. The righteous man, on the other hand, knows that his heart is sinful and he cannot escape by his own power. So he humbles himself. He lifts his voice to the throne of God. He acknowledges his sinfulness and places his hope and trust in Jesus Christ to come and save him. What does this mean for the righteous? Proverbs 11.6 The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. The righteousness of the upright is given to them through Jesus Christ and is more than capable of delivering them from anything. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Doesn't that just make your heart jump for joy? There is no sin apart from the hard rejection of God's grace that cannot be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you some more very important questions. Do you know the righteousness of Christ? Have you looked deep within your own heart and seen the righteousness that's hidden there? Have you seen the wickedness that is hidden there? Have you understood that wickedness is a trap, a trap that will not let you go? Do you understand you cannot deliver yourself from this trap? Do you not see that this trap is self-inflicted? Do you not understand the heart of man is wicked and deceitful and beyond cure? If you understand these things, then you will know that the only hope for man is that God will do a radical heart surgery and remove the old heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. As long as you remain hardened to the truth of God, your sins will subvert and afflict you. It's amazing how a sinful plot can flip-flop and get the one who devised the evil. Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him. No matter how carefully you craft your lie, no matter how sinister your scheme, you will be the victim of it in the end. Not only does the sinner fall into his own trap, but his sins will destroy him. 
Proverbs 1, 30 and 30 through 32. Here, wisdom is speaking. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Jesus Christ calls men by his word. He calls them by his providence, by his ministers, and he calls them through the conscience. If that call is refused, he then thunders forth his warnings. It is to man only that God has so thoughtfully reached out to touch and call him to come home. Proverbs 124, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand with no and no one regarded. Even though the wisest counsel, the most solemn reproof has been given, all is for nothing. Paul tells us in Romans 9.22 that God has endured with much long suffering the vessels fitted for destruction. To the sinner, Christ has extended his hand and called. But he assured of this, the day is coming when Christ will no longer strive with the hearts of men. He will look upon the one who will not hear and will laugh and mock as they cry for mercy from the fires of hell. He will take great delight in the just exercise of his wrath and the destruction of his enemies. Those who would not believe in this lifetime will believe in the next. I guarantee it. They will see the mighty wrath of God. It will destroy them. They will cry and beg for mercy, but there will be no one to hear. They wanted to do their own thing. You understand that's what sinners want. They just want to do their own thing. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. They don't want any law to govern them in any way. They want to do it their own way. That's what it means when it says they ate their own fruit. They're, they have gotten exactly what they wanted. They wanted a world without God. To attain that world without God, they'll go to hell where they will be eternally separated from their God. What we learn from this is that the things you think you have to have are the very things you can't afford. The sinners of this world destroy themselves. They also condemn themselves to an eternity under God's wrath. They do this because they will not listen. They will not believe in the one sent from heaven to provide salvation. Now you understand we are all sowers and reapers. We all are involved in this process of living. You either sow and reap evil, which is destructive, or you sow and reap good, which are wonderful activities. Our Lord calls us into these activities. Listen to John 4, verses 34 through 37. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months and then harvest comes? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For this is the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Jesus is telling his disciples, go forth, 
Go forth and sow and reap that the kingdom of God may grow. He makes this even clear in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is sowing and reaping. This is what you're to be doing. Going out and making Christians of others, giving them your testimony. This is spiritual sowing and reaping. It is planning the gospel message in the hearts of others and teaching those who listen to grow in their acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul explains in Galatians 6, 9 and 10, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you have not heard God's wonderful good news, if you have not understood that the only salvation from sin is found in Jesus Christ, then let me sow the word of God in your heart right now. Jesus Christ came to this earth as the God-man in order that he might live a perfect life before God. He then offered that perfect life as a sacrifice for the sins of all who would hear his call to come unto him. If you're weary, if you're burdened down by your sins, if you're straining under the difficulty of a yoke, a hard yoke, then take heart. For Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, has provided a new yoke. All who take his yoke will find that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why is this so? Because he has fulfilled all God required of you and gives it as a gift to all who will of a humble and contrite heart call out to him for mercy. Christ has sown the seeds of righteousness and offers the fruits of the harvest to all who will trust in him. If you will hear this and believe and trust in Jesus Christ, then you can begin this very day sowing and reaping in his name and being a blessing to others in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come with thanksgiving in our hearts for this body of believers you have called together. We lift each other before you in prayer. We thank you for this partnership you have drawn us into through the gospel. We stand together in confidence that since you began a good work in our lives, you will not stop until that work is complete and we're with you in heaven. Thank you for this service and the glory it has brought to your name, the name of which every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.